Well, happy Palm Sunday. In a virtual way, as we've gathered, as we celebrate, as we remember the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, setting up the events that we will remember and celebrate this week, as we have entered now Holy Week, as it's called. And today, as we continue our series in Romans, um, the Roman road that we've been walking during this season of Lent on Sundays. Today we are in chapter 10. If you have it open in front of you, it will, will probably be helpful um, as we'll uh, explore that reading a bit, as we remember that salvation is for all. This is our third week of virtual worship, our third week of gathering um, through this uh, technology that we're using, a third week of not seeing where you would normally be. I can still picture you where you would be seated. If I'm looking this way, there's people who would be looking me right in the eye, and now you're looking at me on the side of my head, so that's probably different. When we come back together, if you've gotten used to this view, everybody's going to want to sit, you know, kind of right in front of the sound booth after this. Um, but those seats are probably spoken for. I mean, there are people who are typically there. This is our third week of doing this this way and distancing ourselves from others and feeling separated, um, disconnected maybe from other people. And this is a time where we are waiting. We're waiting for some change. We're waiting for things to get back to normal, for things to improve, maybe for herd immunity to build up, to give us the, the opportunity once again to be where people are, uh, to be able to go to stores and normally, and find the normal things that we are so used to finding and seeing and feeling like when we, you know, get packages, I don't know if you're doing this, but we've uh, found ourselves like everything that comes into our house, our mail, our packages, everything that gets delivered, we're, we're making sure we're not, you know, touching too much and we're washing our hands afterward. And so three weeks in, longer than that of being careful and maybe some social distancing, uh, but we're, we have this, do you have a longing? Do you have a sense of there's something that should change? There's some good news that we're waiting for. We long for the burdens and orders to be lifted. For hugs and handshakes and human connections to be what they used to be. We're really longing for the announcement of a vaccine or cure. The good news that this time will be behind us. And that would be good news. That would be good news for all. As we gather in this worship time, there's good news for all. Good news of salvation. The angels announced that with the birth of Jesus, that there was good news. Good news for salvation for all the world because a Savior had been born. That good news is echoed here in Romans chapter 10. It gives good news that is for everyone, the ultimate cure for our common human sinful condition, that salvation is for all, and it is by grace through faith for all who believe. Faith comes by hearing. We see those words in verse 17 of Romans chapter 10, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Backing up to verse 10, it says, the word is near you. That's a quote, actually, from Deuteronomy chapter 30. 
The word is near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Paul adds that parenthetical um, part of it to what he was quoting from Deuteronomy 30. The word is in you. In the book of Deuteronomy, Israel, the people of God, were instructed to meditate on God's word, to teach it to their children, to to meditate as they were rising, as they were going to bed, to talk about it on the road, to be connected and ongoing in the Word. And so the Word would get in you. If you do that, the Word gets in you. It gets in your heart. It's in your mouth. The Word is near you. For some, God seems transcendent. For some people, God seems far away, distant, as if he's maybe even unaware of what's going on, on, the, on our, in our world, in, in creation, on this planet, like God would be unaware of, of what's happening. Does God seem far off, maybe further away during this crisis than usual? I, I can imagine that. At the same time, we know and recognize that God is not far off. That the word has come and, as John 1 puts it, made his dwelling among us. Made his dwelling not just among us gathered, but even in us. The word is in us. The word made flesh is dwelling in us through through the word of faith that's proclaimed. Through scripture, through the Bible, read, proclaimed, meditated on, sung, the word is in you. And the Spirit has worked faith in our hearts. That's how faith happens. As we believe, as faith has come to us, it happens through the Word of God coming into our ears and getting into our hearts. And the Spirit of God, in this mysterious, miraculous way, has worked faith in us. That's how it happens. Through the means of grace, through word and sacrament, through the waters of baptism, through the Lord's Supper when we when we can celebrate that again, the word of faith and the spirit of God has worked in us. We have heard, the spirit has worked, and for all who believe, by the Holy Spirit, we believe and confess. I love Romans 10.10. It says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's actually beginning in verse 9. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Believe and confess. It's simple. It's not complicated. There's not things that we have to do. There's not accomplishments we have to make. That salvation comes as we believe and confess. Romans 10, 9 and 10 makes it very simple. That the heart believes the gospel. Believe in Jesus. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It's part of our confession of faith. It's part of what brings us, even into this time of of worship, virtually. That we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that he was born for us. We believe that his death, that we will remember on Friday, we, were, we believe that that is for us. The word here in, in Romans 10 says that we believe that God raised him from the dead. In order to believe that, we have to believe that he died. God died. 
And not, not just God died, but God died for you, and God died for me and for the sin of the world, that there's a purpose and a plan behind his incarnation, behind his suffering and his death. And all that took place in Holy Week, all that took place following this triumphal entry that we remember and celebrate today, as people are, are celebrating Jesus coming into Jerusalem, he was coming for this purpose, to give his life, to lay down his life for the sin of the world. We believe that. We believe that's for us. And we believe that he was raised from the dead. Sunday, next week, we are going to celebrate that. Even if we have to do it in a virtual sense, the joy of Easter is that God raised Jesus from the dead and that that resurrection broke the gates down, tore the doors off their hinges, that the gate of, or the, the barrier of death is broken through the resurrection of Jesus, that his resurrection is our resurrection, that we're united with him in a death like his, and certainly we will be united with him in a resurrection like his. That is our faith. Those words are found elsewhere in Romans. We've talked about those a few weeks ago. That we believe this gospel, and we confess faith in Jesus. We speak our confession as we confess with your mouth, as Romans 10 puts it. We speak in the creed, both the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed, that we believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We also use the Athanasian Creed and recognize that as the ecumenical creeds of the church. And those creeds are primarily focused on the person and work of Jesus. That we believe that he is our Lord, that he's the Son of God, that he was born for us, that he suffered for us, that he died, that he was buried, and the third day he rose again. We confess that faith with our mouths, with our lips. We can also confess our faith in our own words. We don't have to use the creeds that the church has recognized. We can proclaim our faith in simple, simple terms, that we believe in Jesus, that, that we believe that his life is for us, that we call him Savior, that we call him Lord. We confess that faith, even in our regular conversations. And we can confess our faith with our mouths without saying words like Jesus is Lord just by how we talk to one another. In our conversations, our faith can be expressed by how we speak to people, by how we by the words we choose, by the, by the kinds of, of terms that we would use. Words of kindness can profess our faith. Words of generosity and gentleness and understanding and compassion can confess this faith in Jesus. Because confession goes beyond words, in fact. We live out our faith in action. Our lives really should reflect this grace that we have received. Because what we believe, what we confess, is faith in Jesus the Savior. The faith of us all. The Savior of us all, for God so loved the world, to visit John 3. See, salvation is for all, and Jesus is Lord of all. Listen again to verse 12 from this chapter in Romans 10. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. 
This is the riches of God's grace being given as a free gift to us. Imagine for a moment if a vaccine is discovered for this virus that's plaguing our earth. If a vaccine is discovered for it, how would that be handled? Would that be kept private? Would that be only for some people but not for all? There have been some, some uh, commentary and some complaints about people who have received the, even the testing that it seems like some you know, athletes and some celebrities have been able to get testing and other people have not, and, and supplies and ventilators and you know, even masks and everything else, and the way it's distributed has been distributed has been a little bit maybe um, not unfair. Well, maybe unfair, but it, um, I'm looking for a word, and it's just poof, out of my head. It, uh, with some inequality. Um, I'll settle on that word. It's close enough. It's not equitable that how things have been distributed. What if the vaccine was only was kept for some people but not, not for everybody? What if it was discovered here in our country but then was not shared generally, not sent to other places? That would not be for the benefit of all. That would be the, for the benefit of some. Here, as the Apostle Paul is writing Romans, this is a letter going to, uh, to Rome, to people who were considered for the Jewish people enemies, not friends, not people that they would exactly, from, a, from just a national and identity um, perspective. He's writing this letter to people that the Jewish people would consider really enemies. And, and he says here that it's, there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The Greeks were, you know, following Alexander the Great, and they took over the whole region. And so Jews and Greeks didn't necessarily get along that well and trust each other. I'm sure individually, similar to how in this region we have people from all over the world who are our neighbors, who are likely our friends, and we can connect individually, but in the national way there might be some tension between nations. But the Apostle Paul is announcing this salvation, this grace is universal. It's not just for some, it's for everyone. It is for all. Salvation is for all. There is no distinction. It's not Jew and Greek. It's not those who have and those who have not. Too much of life is spent thinking about them. Who's them? We have the salvation that belongs to the world. From the grace of God given to us. And Paul announces that everyone who calls on him will be saved. That's Romans 10, 13, and that's actually Paul quoting Joel chapter 2, verse 32. All who call on him, on the name of the Lord, will be saved. And so we call on Jesus. That's what people were doing on Palm Sunday. Jesus was coming into town, and, and word reached the people of Jerusalem, and there was a crowd, and people had witnessed the resurrection of Lazarus, and they knew Jesus was coming, and 
this might be the guy. So as he enters, riding, riding humbly on a donkey, not coming in on the war horse, but coming in on the, the peaceful colt, the foal of the donkey, as, as the Old Testament had, had declared he would. People went and cut palm branches. These branches happen to come from the palm trees that grow by our house. So yesterday, I climbed a ladder up onto the roof, and I took the saw that I have that I can extend out, and I cut these palms down so that I could have them in here, even though, well, so you could see them. Because it's Palm Sunday, we should still have that. As people cut those palm branches for that first Palm Sunday, as they laid them on the road, as they took their their outer garments off and put those on the road to, to soften the way for Jesus. They, they called out. This is John 12, verse 13. They took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. That's why our first two songs were called Hosanna. To remember and to celebrate that, we cry Hosanna Save us. Early in our time of worship, we read words from Psalm 118. Verse 25, the beginning of it, says, Save us, we pray, O Lord. That's how we heard it, right? Let me read it to you in Hebrew. Ana Yahweh, Hoshiana. Did you hear that last words? It's actually kind of two words put together. Hoshiana, Hosanna. Those are the words that were translated for us at the beginning of that verse, save us. Save us, we pray. Hoshiana, which comes from the word yasha in Hebrew, which means to save. Yasha, Yeshua. Hear the connection. Jesus, his name means save. Even his name, all who call upon the name of the Lord, all who call upon the name of Jesus, will be saved. His name means save. This is what Jesus does. It's even in his name that he will save us. Save us, we pray. Deliver us from evil, from brokenness, from plague and crisis from hurt and heartache, from trial and temptation, save us, Jesus. Hosanna. We call out to Jesus and Jesus saves. And as saved people of Jesus, we serve and follow him. We finish with words from John 12, verse 26. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. We don't just call on him in our time of need, in our time of crisis, in our time of burden, in our time of brokenness and hurt. Maybe we do then more than other times. It's kind of natural for us to call out to God when we feel a burden, when we feel a need, when we, when we have something that we know that we can go nowhere else for salvation, for help, for a cure, for relief. 
So we call on him in our time of need, but not just in our time of need. We call on him, he saves us, and then we as his disciples, as people who are followers of Jesus, follow him. As saved people, let's call on Jesus, let's confess with our mouths, let's believe in our hearts, and let's serve and follow our Lord. Amen.